Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. Hello, my friends. Thanks for joining us again, and thank you for hanging in there. Uh, it's not been a long book, First Timothy, but wow, it's been a powerful reminder just of the way we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. We are in the final chapter of this book, First Timothy chapter 6, and I want you to look, if you would, at verse number 1, where the Bible says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So it seems, John, that in so many of the Apostle Paul's epistles, he dealt very practically with what people were facing in society. I think too often in church, we talk about you know what should be. You know, we should have a world without sin and without sorrow. We should have relationships that are intact, and we you know we shouldn't have any racial tensions, and there should be no slavery in the world, and there should be and th- th- that's all true. Those are all great ideals that will all be true in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But the simple fact of the matter is, we live in a broken world. We sure do live in a broken world, and you know. There is dysfunction all around us. You know, there's no family that is perfect, no church that is perfect. And and Paul here, you know, Paul is not saying that slavery is the right thing to do. But Paul had the big picture in mind that there's more to life than just this life. Uh, there are people who are wronged in this life, but God knows it's going to happen. Really, this goes back to what we saw before the last passage, how that those who now are, are wicked, we don't realize it, they'll be judged someday. Those who are doing right by now, we don't realize that someday they're going to be known, it's all going to be known before God. And slavery is an area that has caused many issues in this world. You know, back in Roman time, there's probably 50 million slaves in the empire. A third of Rome, it seemed, were slaves. And so there was a large contingency of slaves. And Paul deals practically, here's how you can be a slave and have a good testimony in spite of what you're undergoing. It's a, and it's a matter of, it, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. Because who, who would give this advice? Uh, that a slave would tend to resent his master, would tend to resent the indentured nature of his service. Uh, I've got to pay off my debt. Why does he think he's better than I am? I'm free. Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians 7. He deals with this in Colossians 4. He deals with this in Ephesians 6. He deals with it here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Peter deals with it in 1 Peter chapter 2. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible and the Bible basically says it's a matter of your honor. It's a matter of your attitude. And your attitude needs to be, I'm, I'm going to serve. It would be like a wife who's saved and now has this cantankerous, unsaved husband. Love him, serve him. It's like a child that would be saved and he has these unsaved parents that are less than ideal. Respect them, serve them. It's like a person that gets saved and he lives in a country that's anti-God. What should he do? Insofar that he can... Unless this authority is telling him to do something that violates scripture itself, then do the best you can to have a great attitude and serve with respect. 
That's God's expectation in any institution. God's expectation with any authority is to obey that authority insofar that that authority does not negate the authority of God. And that is a great principle for all of us in our living today, that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we can do right, even if, if authority is not doing right, we can live a testimony out for Jesus Christ and be a good witness to those who are around us. You know, there's just something about having a good spirit when authority does not have a good spirit. Because people are always watching. Other employees are watching. Other people are on the sidelines of your life. That's why the Bible says that when we behave in that counterintuitive way, that Christ-like way, the Bible says then the name of God and his doctrine, teaching about God, is not blasphemed, is not abused. People look at that and say, that's otherworldly. That speaks to something beyond what I can understand. There's something going on in that person that I just don't get. Why would they have that good attitude? Why would they work so hard? Why would they? It it really helps people to see the glory of God in that person. And God does allow us to be in situations where we, through his power, can live for his honor and glory. You know, we all know that life has difficulties and problems. And as you mentioned a moment ago, Pastor, it all goes back to attitude. What is our attitude like? You know, you can put a person who has a lousy attitude in the best of circumstances, and they're going to complain. But you take a person who has a spirit-filled, godly attitude and put them in the worst of circumstances, and they can have joy in spite of all this going on and still do right. Here's uh, something to consider. In first century Christianity, the, the church created a scenario that didn't exist anywhere else in society. And that is that now you have Jews and Gentiles in the same body. You have men and women that are being viewed as equal, as equal creations of God. You have uh, old and young, rich and poor, uh, you have slave and master. In no other social setting back in the Roman world would these people ever get together as equals. And yet in the church, the Bible says, if you're free, you're the Lord's bondman. If you're a slave, then you're the Lord's freeman. You're, you have an identity in Christ. And so for, for the first time, you have people that are going to church together that are brothers in Christ that it might be that my master is in the same church as I am. So what should I do if I'm saved and my master is saved? What should I do in that sense? And by the way, this is not talking about chattel slavery like in the United States. That's categorically wrong. And this is not a justification of that. And there were those back in America that used verses like this to justify chattel slavery, which is absolutely uh, wrong biblically. This is more of a indentured servant type situation. And the Bible says in verse two, and they that have believing masters. So God covers this situation too. So I have a master who's saved. Let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are part faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. See, it's easy sometimes to resent another believer because they have privileges that have come to them that we don't. I deserve, I deserve to be free. I deserve to be rich. I deserve to have what they have. I deserve to have that gift. I deserve. Therefore, I resent the person that has it. The Bible says, don't do that. Rejoice in another person's opportunities and good fortune. 
No, clearly today where I live, Pastor, I, there's not a problem with you know slavery as we have back here in these days. But still, the principle you t- just mentioned is still very valid in my life. And sometimes it's easy for Christians today to start coveting. Oh, I wish I had that. Look at them. God's blessed them. Why haven't I had that? And it's easy for Satan to get into people's hearts and convince them that God is other than good because God has blessed this one individual materially or maybe other ways. And yet maybe this, maybe I'm struggling. And so although I don't have the same scenario, uh, what the principle does talk about is something very valid today and we just need to be the right kind of people regardless and treat other people correctly, no matter how God has blessed them. And it's interesting that Paul says, Timothy, you need to you need to teach this and exhort this because this is not something that people intuitively know. It has to be taught. And this is not something that people are going to feel good about. So you have to exhort it. You have to you have to help people to see this biblically so that they'll have the proper attitude. The Word of God can change your attitude about situations. So Paul is speaking the Word into this situation. Look at verse number three. If any man teach otherwise. So this is not a truth that's going to be readily received by a carnal person. This is not a truth that people uh, want to hear necessarily. So the Bible says, if any man teach otherwise. Someone might come, come up and say, Timothy, you know, you're... you're um, you're just uh, full of hot air here. Now, what do you mean to tell me that we're supposed to be respectful to our masters? No way. You know, I'm suing for my freedom. You know, so if other people argue or they teach otherwise, the Bible says, and they consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words Whereof cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. So, boy, there's a lot there, John. And let's just take a minute or two because we're almost out of time for this episode. But the point here is that when people argue against this kind of counterintuitive teaching, they're really doing so because they're proud, because they want their way. Uh, they want to create these little schisms in the church, and it's not fair, and I can't believe what he has, and this is not good. And the Bible says what you're really sh- short-circuiting is the process by which God makes us godly, because God makes us godly not through what we have, but through who we are and what we go through. And really behind this whole thing is the idea of what, what, where are we living for? Are we living for this world here or are we living for eternity? Do we have eternity in view? Do we have the proper perspective? Uh, what Paul describes right here are often people who are very personal rights oriented, where if anybody ever offends me, I'm going to sue them. I'm going to go after them. They've done me wrong. Where Paul reminds us in the church, hey, if somebody defrauds you, you know, if, if it's going to do harm to the cause of Christ, if you go to court, then don't do that. You know, rather for you to be defrauded personally and take a wrong than to, you know, besmirch the name of Christ by what you're going to do legally. But we live today in a very rights-oriented culture. People sue left and right at the drop of a hat, it seems sometimes. And really, as you go back and said, it's because they're prideful and they're focused upon this life, what I've got to have today, what is mine, I deserve this. That is so counterintuitive to the spirit of Jesus Christ when he walked upon this earth. The faulty assumption that these false teachers make is that gain 
is godliness. So how can you tell if somebody is being blessed of God? How can you say tell if somebody's if God's working in someone's life because they have a better station in life? So I can't be a slave and be godly. I can't be a lowly servant and be godly. I can't be a hourly employee and be godly. That, that if God's blessing me, then I'll have more. I'll have a better station in life. So they suppose that a better station in life. So the way people look at me and more stuff in life is godliness. And what Paul said is, you're not going to convince those people. Those people, uh, you're not going to. So the best thing to do is just stay away from them. From such, withdraw thyself. Don't get in that health, wealth, and prosperity crowd. Just stay away from that. Because we know this, God works in people's lives in their suffering, sometimes in their deprivation. We look at the life of, of Jesus or the Apostle Paul or others. They certainly weren't the models of the rich and famous, but God was forming his own character in this process. That's what is important to God. Not what you have, not what people think you are, but what God's doing in the process of sanctification in your life by making you more like Jesus. That's what godliness is. Well, I know that we try to cram a lot in there the last couple minutes, so maybe we might come back to one or two of those thoughts next episode. But that's all the time we have for today. So I hope you have a great day in the Lord, and we will see you here at verse number six next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.